Hello, and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up, a mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Lindsay. And Lindsay. Yes. How are you holding up? I'm happy that I'm here in the same room with you. Yay! <laughs> we get to do this once in a while, and it's pretty great. <laughs> Very excited to have this episode in particular. Yes, this there, one's yes, going to be fun. There's been some stuff in my life lately that has been getting me incredibly anxious, and I've realized that that anxiety has been making me physically ill. Cool. Like, actually, like, getting a sore throat and, you know, lowering my immune system. So, but... The last 24 hours has been bliss because it's been alleviated somewhat. How are you holding up? Similarly, a lot of uh, joyful anxiety. <laughs> uh, but um, I will agree that things are starting to kind of clear up a little. Good. I had my appointment with my psychiatrist yesterday. And we're going to try another method of attack on my depression and anxiety and mm -hmm. whatever the hell else is going on mainly my inattentiveness and my uh my my it my attention span has suffered quite a bit lately how uh, have you seen that in life like how did you really notice it well it was actually one of the things brought up in my performance review at work really <laughs> mm -hmm. the fact that i get kind of easily distracted and i was like yeah i've noticed that I, I've noticed that. And then I come home and I try to do, you know, I have a dual monitor setup. I have four screens because uh, I split like browsers and things in half. Oh. So I'm doing like eight oh, to 12 things at the same time. Uh, and I'm jumping between each one. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably do something about that. So we're going to try a stimulant, which is going to be interesting. To see how my body reacts to that. Uh, I will be keeping track of my blood pressure and all that good shit. And we shall see uh, in the coming weeks. And St have you been continuing with your journaling? A little bit now and then. Uh, I have unfortunately been very busy lately at work. And so I wake up late and I drive and I was like, oh crap, I forgot to do that. Whoops. So for those of you who have uh, who missed it, Chris has a very special um, appreciation journal. Yeah, gratitude journal. Gratitude journal. Yeah. I, I knew that word, but I couldn't think of it. That is <laughs> fair. Yeah, no, it is my, my little gratitude journal right here actually next to the microphone where I've just kind of been going through it and writing every now and then a little yes. something something. So that's been nice. Good. So this episode, we are going to be introducing you guys, hopefully, to something new um, and something that I have only very recently started doing research into because somebody messaged me and that somebody was my sister uh, <laughs> and said, hey, I think this is you. Check it out. And it was a trailer to a documentary where Alanis Morissette is actually in it. And it was about the highly sensitive person. Huh. Um, and she sent that to me actually years ago and I never went into it. I never really looked into it because I felt embarrassed because actually at the time I was with somebody who like started laughing at me and was like, oh my God, why would she send that to you? That's like the most embarrassing thing. I can't believe that like she would call oh you that. That's, God. he's like, that's the worst. Jesus. So I quickly shut that down and shut that part side of myself down and was like, you're right. This is embarrassing. I'm not going to go into it. 
So then it resurfaced when I was really thinking about this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I started watching some awesome videos. So HSP, or highly sensitive person, yes. um, is in 20, 15 to 20% of the population. And it is an evolutionary trait, not a diagnosis. Yes. So this is something slightly different than our usual topic in terms of this is not something that you're going to find in the DSM, I think. No, no. Because this is not technically a diagnosis. This is just a neurological evolution. Yeah. And and it's interesting when you look at the history of... um, theories and tests and and group studies and stuff there's been different names for this but in the last 20 years it started being called highly sensitive and it is not just in people it is also in some animals and that's how why they call it a an evolutionary trait and it's really i like the science behind this because anything that makes me feel less crazy makes me feel good (laughs) (laughs) and this one was um interesting to me particularly because uh they were talking about how in evolution we seem we tend to think of evolution is bringing us to uh, combining the best traits to make the best human or best animal you know the, mm-hmm. the top of the evolutionary trait and in this study they were starting to realize that nature's done something interesting where it has split certain animals insects and humans into either highly sensitive nervous systems or normally functioning nervous systems Hmm. Um, what this looked like for me when I was a kid was being called sensitive a lot. Yes. Particularly by my parents, uh, particularly by my father, um, being yelled at for being too sensitive, which is exactly what you want to be. Um, mm-hmm. and in general feeling like I felt deeper about people or situations than, and was affected easy, easier, easily, more easily, more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, when watching a movie, uh, when interacting with an animal, I cry easily. And I started realizing when I was listening to some of the documentaries on this that um, how negative the connotation of being sensitive is. Yeah. It it has always kind of been this weird, like, being called sensitive. is like a negative. Yeah. Which, so, when you think about it, is incredibly positive. It really is. I mean, being highly sensitive has a considerable number of advantages to say the least like being dull to the world and dull to your surroundings and dull to the emotional needs of those around you that seems more of the detriment to me yeah and i don't know why that's something that's negative i don't know if it's because our world is more prone to um, uplifting masculine traits and in general men are not supposed to be seen as sensitive however when you're an hsp it is not limited to being women or men or introverts or extroverts um, or however you would categorize your, it, it hits everybody similarly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's doesn't, there's not like an extreme, but they did notice of course that most men aren't going to want to characterize themselves as sensitive. So the tests mm-hmm. had to be a particular kind of thing. And they started doing this really interesting, um, it's called an fMRI, mm-hmm. which basically it's an MRI uh, where they scan your brain, but they have you doing something at the same time to see what lights up. Which is very cool. Which is very cool. Um, so there is a self-test. Uh, it is going to be in a link down below. Yep. We've got a bunch of like different, if you're interested in this, um, links below. And uh, so a highly sensitive person is characterized by deep information processing, 
high emotional reactivity, increased awareness of environmental subtleties, and easy stim- overstimulation. Which is pretty, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good range of things of just like, yeah. wow, that is a lot that your brain is doing, yeah. let alone your entire nervous system. So, and I'm wondering, now that I've, I've been thinking it, I think I, I, I scored incredibly high, like two points away from the most you could score on oversensitivity. Um, I know that when I go into a Target or any big store that has bright lights and lots of people, I get nauseous, I get fuzzy-brained, I feel like I'm falling and flying up. Um, and so last time I went out to a store and started feeling this way, I focused just on my partner's shirt because it was like dark blue with white little pattern on it and like if i just looked at that the feeling went away a little bit because there was too many colors too many sounds and too many lights that is fascinating (laughs) but it makes a lot of sense yeah and i'm wondering actually if i'm not more of an extrovert but because i'm highly sensitive i've had to pull myself away from extreme situations or not even extreme but like a big party because i get over i don't know i mean yeah that could also be just the case is sometimes if you i mean even when you are not a highly sensitive person and you feel overwhelmed, mm-hmm. which is totally in the scope of reality, take that feeling and know how much it takes for you to get there, but take that down like 10% mm-hmm. and you're, that, if it took just 10% of what it would take to make a highly, a regular sensitive person yeah. or a non-highly sensitive person to freak out, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Um, the doctor who's been researching this the most, she's really interesting. Uh, she made a little, uh, God, what do you call it? Enneagram? Uh, yeah. So she calls it does or do's. She's like, either if you're a woman, it can be does. And if you're, you know, a guy, it can be do's. <laughs> but it starts with a D. And so this is where the depth of processing, the highly sensitive brain has a more active insula, the part of the brain that helps enhance perception and increase self-awareness. They're also wired to pause, reflect before engaging. And that's something they saw in the animals. So they would have, and even in fish, they have a a group of fish that they were trying to get into this particular trap. And a lot just went right in because Mm -hmm. there was some food. And then there were some fish that kind of held back and watched to see what happened. And they were calling those the the shy fish (laughs) or something like, and she's like, I don't know why you're calling it shy. Shouldn't it be, you know, the more intelligent? Yeah. (laughs) Cautious fish? (laughs) Yeah, the cautious fish. And um, so it's really taking the information and it's almost too much. Like we overthink everything. Yeah. It's in, and it's in everything you do. It's like, you know, I'll be watching um, a a symphony and I'll be brought to tears easily because I connect it to this beautiful moment that happened when I was this age. And then it was this feeling that I got and just how we're all going to die someday. And it just is so sweet and so beautiful to have this moment happening right here live. And I've got goosebumps all over my arms and I'm sobbing (laughs) instead of it being like, wow, this is a really nice experience. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lovely song. They're playing it really well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So if that sounds like something like you, um, then maybe you are a highly sensitive person. So moving on. uh, So that, so the D, it's the depth of processing. It might result in a slower decision making uh, and more transition time between tasks. So this might also look like if you're having a heated conversation with somebody who talks really loudly and Mm -hmm. really fast you might be hit with a lot of emotions and suddenly you go fuzzy brained and you can't actually understand what they're saying anymore and you start feeling overwhelmed and you feel like you can't talk, like you don't know how to talk anymore. It yeah. shuts you down. Yeah. 
Because you're being just so bombarded. With just stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, so overstimulation is the O. Uh, since we notice more subtle details in the environment um, and we're more emotionally impacted by social s- stimulation, uh, it's easy to get overstimulated and exhausted by high levels of input. So, um, th- I mean, that's pretty straightforward. You know, in yeah. general, you might love going to a concert um, but you can only stay for an hour yeah, because it's just too much. Or you're going to, you know, a party mm-hmm. and you are able to see a whole lot of like, you know, more subtle things going on, like mm-hmm. the relationship nuances that are happening, but that might also just exhaust you in mm-hmm. that same hour. So you might hang out in the bathroom you know, mm-hmm. to take a break from everybody. Yeah. You might like to go into the car. You probably prefer darker situations in terms of, like, the lighting. I love lamps and candlelight mm-hmm. and firelight um, because, in general, it helps me be able to calm my senses. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to the E, it's emotional responsiveness or empathy. And the brain scans have shown that SHSPs have more active mirror neurons, and those are responsible for feelings of empathy for others. Um, There's more activity in areas that are involved with emotional responses, uh, and we feel both positive and negative emotions more intensely than people who are not an HSP. Yeah, so that is why getting into a new relationship can be far more elating, or losing a relationship can be far more devastating. Like, I remember some of the first breakups that I ever had, and I was devastated. I'm talking about, like, elementary school, a boy gave me a pen, and then he wanted to be with somebody else, so he took the pen away from me and gave it to her. And I went home, and I sobbed, and I sobbed, and every single time I saw him after that, it felt like someone kicked me in the gut, and my heart ached physically, like my chest ached. Mm -hmm. And I just hurt, and it made my skin feel sensitive, it was, it was really messed up. Um, yeah, on the flip, yeah, but on the flip side of that, the positive feelings are incredible. Mm-hmm. I get so excited or so happy. And I think at the same time, that can be a drain. So yeah. that's why I think in the past I've been like, well, maybe I'm manic depressive because or bipolar because I can have such high highs. And such low and lows. such low lows. But I think maybe it's more about this because I don't have like the night after night not being able to sleep. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that aren't consistent with bipolar. Do you have to have, like, a room be a certain temperature when you fall asleep? Or do you have to be in yes. that, like, perfect... Yes. Yeah. Because the idea of it being just a little too cold or a little too hot... Yeah. So it's the princess and the pea syndrome is what they were calling it. Actually, people talked about this who are mm. HSPs. It's funny that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can't sleep if the pillows are starting to slip between the mattress and the wall. It drives me. I get so angry. I mean, outraged. Um, it has to be a certain fluffiness. The bed has to be a certain firmness or it hurts. Yeah. Um, I need to have a white noise because I can't hear noises or it will wake me up. I'm talking like if, yeah, if, if, if my partner scratched his foot, I would be awake and furious. You're a light sleeper then. <laughs> and I never thought I was because I was always told, you're such a deep sleeper by my mother. Not true. <laughs> Not true. It was a lie. Um, and the last thing in the doze is sensitive to subtleties and sensory stimuli. So we notice subtle details that other people miss. 
So nonverbal cues, small changes in the environment. This helped me a lot with, um, I had an auti- I have an autistic stepbrother um, and, an, and a rageful parent. And so I was able to sort of deal with these situations by reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got very close to my stepbrother. And he, he was also a rageful person. It was part of his Asperger's. Um, he would go into just overwhelming rage. And I was one of the few people in our family, our friend group, that was able to deal with him in a, in a normal way. Um, I think that's also why I'm the, you know, family, the animal lover yeah. of the family. Like, I, I, re, I can tell when a dog is uncomfortable. And not just like, oh, the dog is limping. I'm talking like... She breathed a little weird. I think there's something wrong with her. We should, like, you know, do something. I can just really feel it. Yeah. In my body. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so nowhere near. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. My 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 thing is more. I can read that in people. Yeah. Really well. Uh, but like being able to read, you know, things in animals, for example, like that is a level beyond me. I mean, it's. A lot because I remember I was looking at. So yesterday, my, my little sister has a chicken, and um, she used to have two. One passed, mm-hmm. and this one was by herself. And I've been feeling very bad for this chicken because she's all alone, and she has this huge cage. I mean, huge enclosure. Like gets fed delicious treats all the time. People go and sing to her in the morning. I mean, she's fine. <laughs> but I go over and I look at her, and she's looking at me, and she starts to kind of croon at me, and I'm like, she's just lonely, and it's so cold in this shade right now. So I had to like close up the doggy doors and go and hold this chicken. I don't even really like chickens, but I felt for her, and I felt so I held her and I was talking to her, and she was crooning, and I got her some snacks because I couldn't stand the idea of her being a little bit chilly and a little bit lonely. Um, so in general, that can also make people really uncomfortable because I want to sit down and I want to know how you're feeling and I want you to know that you can talk to me about stuff. And like sometimes there's not a place for that. Like it's too much. The willingness to actually have somebody to like to be there for someone to mm-hmm. listen to them. Yeah. Like that's enough where some people are just like, what do you want? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had people who didn't trust me. I had people who thought that it was just like, oh, Lindsay's just too much. too sensitive too much and i'm not um the fun party person i like to have fun but i'm not going to just have light conversation and jokes all day i want to talk about feelings because that is the majority (laughs) of my life everything is so connected emotionally for me um so you know strong smells rough textures loud noises bright lights these things really can be overwhelming for me and so when i was a kid for example i remember so clearly this was so clear my mom had taken my sister and I to go to Alaska every summer. And this one summer we went onto the airplane and we got snuggled in. I had my blankies. I had the fan on my face because I needed to have air on my face. I was buckled in. I was ready. And then my mom came in and said, okay, we're getting off the flight because I got a later one, which means we'll get a free ticket another time. They Hmm. overbooked this flight. Uh I'm not leaving. No. I was, I was, I had settled myself. It had been so overwhelming and I had finally gotten to this point and I didn't want to move. I mean, I threw a freaking fit about it and it felt physically so uncomfortable to leave my little safe space and Mm -hmm. go out. And it's, it was weird. It's the same thing I think I experienced when I go to a gas station. I feel like people are looking at, like, I just feel exposed a lot of the time. I think Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. I feel vulnerable. It's, it's, you know, the, it's why you, if you are at a party, you want to go to the quiet room and cuddle 
the puppy that's yeah. in there. Yeah. And the interesting science for me particularly was that HSPs are not more prone to depression or anxiety. You would think that they were. But if you were a child who had a rough childhood and you're an HSP, that's when you're going to have depression for sure. Like it's like 98% sure. Yeah. So, and that makes sense, right? If you're overstimulated, if someone's being cruel to you, if you have a parent that isn't very sensitive to you and everything is so sensitive for you, it's going to traumatize you in a way that it wouldn't traumatize. And when I say traumatize, I'm serious, like actually rewiring your brain into fight or flight, Mm -hmm. um, traumatize you and ruin how you are able to function in the world as you become an adult. Which, of course, in turn will make you turn to alcohol to deal with situations that are difficult. Which is likely to actually affect you probably a little bit more. Yes, but also it, I think it numbs things down. Like it makes mm. you, you know, and I know from my experiences with um, parts and party drugs and stuff, for me, it was such a gift at the time, I do not recommend, um, to mm-hmm. do these things and suddenly feel like, oh, is this what other people feel like? Because everyone's like, you're acting normal. And I was like, I'm so high. Um, and not weed. <laughs> I'm not talking about weed here. <laughs> I'm talking about other things. Mm-hmm. Stimulants. Because I felt numbed to the world, but able to talk to people anyway. Instead of constantly gauging, how are they sitting? How are they breathing? How are they moving? How are they talking to me? What's the inflection in their voice right there? Oh, mm-hmm. this person's sad. And everyone's like, no, that person's fine. Um so it stopped me from doing that. And it's exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. It's exhausting. And it can be little things that don't even don't even matter. So like if my best friend's upset about something and isn't telling me and we're having a conversation, I will know she's upset. I will know she's not telling me something and it will hurt my feelings, really hurt my feelings that she's not telling me. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've already kind of figured out some of the disadvantages. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, being overwhelmed... Mm-hmm. easily flustered um it yeah. can show up in general anxiety if you have chronic digestive issues i know i've had a lot of stomach problems mm-hmm. um and exhaustion poor concentration so some people might think that you have adhd or add but you might not although i think they got rid of add i think it's just adhd now anyway oh. don't don't quote me on that mm-hmm. but it's hard to concentrate if you're already constantly taking in information so lowered immune functioning um, so even what most people would think would be a nice, like, vacation can be stressful. Oh, yeah, because there's every step to get to that nice vacation. Yeah. There's the whole travel aspect of it. Yeah. There's, you know, well, what if you get there and suddenly the room isn't available? Mm-hmm. Anything that can Or the throw, bed isn't comfortable. Or the bed isn't comfortable. <laughs> or maybe you find, I don't know, a roach in the bathroom. Yeah. Any little thing can be that one little stone yeah. to just trip you up. Makes sense. Yeah. And again, if you have a lack of secure attachment during childhood um, you or meaningful adult relationships, you will definitely have more of a proclivity to being depressed and have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can find that now in alleles. There's a whole science behind it. And again, this is just an introduction to this because I'm still figuring things out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting that there's like 50 million people in the USA who has this trait. Yeah. And we're just now starting to talk about it. Um, and uh, there's a, a bunch of issues with social anxiety, shyness, mm-hmm. difficulties with boundaries. Um, but there's a lot of positives too. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I think that the, the shyness, social anxiety aspect of it, like that, that could be just one of the things that if you have thought this whole time that maybe you are just introverted, mm-hmm. like you discussed earlier, mm-hmm. this could just be the difference of, well, you're probably more extroverted because you throw yourself yeah. to meeting people, you meet people, you go into social situations introverts aren't exactly seeking that out on average Mm -hmm. so that could just be the hypersensitivity maybe you need that one-on-one interaction or you know you want those conversations to be a little deeper yeah so that makes sense yeah and i think that's why moving to the woods for me was amazing I think so, too. Because even just going through the city. Like, now that you're learning. Because mm-hmm. right now, Chris just is starting to learn about it today. Yes. This is brand new to me. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> in my head, I have painted a picture. And I'm like, yeah, a lot of things really make sense now. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was <laughs> like, like, what? Well, just the fact that, like, you have found such peace and such happiness. I have only known you to be happy and at peace when you were, like, coming back from Alaska kind of thing. Yeah. Where it was just like, you were remote mm-hmm. you were removed from big city living <laughs> and you were able to like enjoy nature and have peace and quiet for a little bit yeah so moving out to the woods just makes sense yeah that's that's what you need that's how you need to to live in order to maintain sanity yeah whereas i need i need that simulation yeah so that also makes sense to me <laughs> In my own twisted way. The cool thing is on this website, um, I think it's the hsperson.com, mm-hmm. and it's linked below. They have tests, they have articles on it, and they have videos. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Cool. That, I mean, it's gone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Wow. I don't know. Something you had said like triggered this thought, and I was like, oh, yeah, the website... Do you want to look at the website? Um, I, I think it's just basically saying that, that there's a bunch of information on there. Oh, oh, I remember. To um, help you. If you do think that you're an HSP and you do take the test and you're like, hey, look at that. I am a highly sensitive person with depression and anxiety. Uh, they have little how to care for yourself. Oh, because that's it's nice. Yeah. And there's a, there's a couple download things. I haven't looked into them yet. I'm going to. Um, but I just want to reinforce that... Uh, there's also a lot of beautiful things with this. So you are able to connect with situations in a deeper way and, and see things in ways that people who don't have this trait can. Um, you are able, again, to like connect with animals and mm-hmm. people. You're a he- very good at being a healer. Yeah. Um, you can enjoy a movie so much more and see things in a way. And so that in, in that way, we're wonderful artists um, we'll think about the world slightly differently. So great engineers, um, problem solvers will understand things uh, how, and how they connect and work um, in a, just a slightly different way. I was going to say, one of the things that kind of has occurred to me is it could also provide deeper, the whole idea of it providing deeper meaning to you. You'll see a movie mm-hmm. and if it's something that resonates with you more deeply, you will remember it and it will stay with you mm-hmm. far longer than somebody yeah. who's not highly sensitive. Yeah, because we as people, how we learn mm-hmm. is there's information given to us and there's an emotional attachment to it. Yep. And, that, and then we'll think about it again because that emotional attachment brings you back to it. And so information that you get that you're not 
maybe emotionally attached to, like let's say you don't like uh, math, it's because you're not getting the same emotional stimulation from it that you would with English. Um, so with HSPs, we're able to have these incredible experiences. So in that way, it can be a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and, and if you are an HSP, you're, this is innate. This is something you cannot change. Mm-hmm. Um, it is natural. And there's nothing wrong with being sensitive to the world around you. You just mm. have a higher uh, sensitivity. What's a what were we talk? What were they talking about earlier about um, how you internalize their, your system? Yeah, yeah, like just your 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 sis your nervous system yeah. and your brain in general are far more susceptible to the world around you mm-hmm. and the world within you. Yeah. And that's why to many of us, war doesn't make sense at all. Because one of the things they found is that uh, cultures do not affect HSPs. So it's harder to find an HSP who is really dedicated to like nationalism or Mm -hmm. something because they are connected to everything. It's a globalism standpoint. It's an an intense empathy. Yeah. Like a superpower. (laughs) Empathy man with the power to... Probably cry. <laughs> Let me hold you and we can cry together during this movie. Yay. You know what, though? There's a freedom when you can talk to someone you know they don't care if you're crying with them. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is the best. That's actually how Chris and I got re-acquainted. Uh, we hadn't hung out in a few years and I had posted this thing. If anybody wants to cry at the uh, <laughs> Dr. Rogers, uh, Mr. Rogers, rather, mm-hmm. uh, neighborhood. Yep. And, and he, I'll bring the tissue box and he messaged me and said, absolutely. Yep. And you followed through, yeah. which is something I appreciate about you. No, of course. And we went and we cried a lot. Yep. Super exhausting. <laughs> and then we went and like got a drink mm-hmm. and the podcast was formed. Yay. And it thus it stands today, 2020. So thank you so much, guys, for listening to this episode. Hopefully it was interesting. Yeah. Even if you're not an HSP. Hopefully you learned something about if not yourself, about the people in your life Mm -hmm. who may be a little more sensitive to things than you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, As for us, follow us on Instagram at Podcast, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the subreddit if you want to support us directly, visit our Patreon, or if you want to send us something directly, go ahead and email mailbag at howareyouholdingup.com. We appreciate you guys, and as always, don't don't tell tell us us to just get get over it. it.